Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panato, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Nick. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I've seen one good movie and one terrible movie. That sounds like an average weekend. Yeah, yeah. I saw two good movies. Huh? Oh, wait. Yeah, I saw a good movie and a kind of good movie. Okay. All right. Maybe we should tell people what they actually are. <laughs> nope. Let's leave them in suspense. I'm sure they'll just wait eagerly throughout going, what is it going to be? So I watched, uh, so I watched, I'm sticking with my, my journey through 1400s England. Uh, I watched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, oh. because I hate myself. Good job. And, yeah, uh, good. And, and then I watched Outlaw King, which is uh, kind of a sequel, kind of a sequel to Braveheart. That's on Netflix. It's like a Netflix really? movie. Yeah. Oh it's, wait, is that with Chris Pine? Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw a picture of it. That's about it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'll talk about it. <laughs> cool. And what did you see? Um, I saw Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, really? And Vice. Oh, okay. The Dick Cheney movie. I'm going to keep talking higher. All right. Now I'm going to go low. Okay. Um, I'll start. Cool. uh, With Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves from 1991, directed by Kevin. Oh, it wasn't directed by Kevin Costner. I thought this was. This was directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring the terrible, yeah. terrible Kevin Costner. I think there's some. Uh, I think there's some speculation on that. However, that Kevin Reynolds is some sort of uh, fake name for Kevin Costner. Really? I've I've heard that joke. I don't know how seriously to take it, and I'm not researching anything. So, okay. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, he's terrible in this movie. This might be, <laughs> this is like top five terrible Kevin Costner movies. Now I can't stand Kevin Costner. I think he's just the worst. Yeah. And, uh, in this movie uh, is no exception. He's not playing baseball, which is already a bad place for him to be. Cause I only like movies with Kevin Costner where he's playing baseball. And, uh, in this movie, he plays the character Robin Hood an English guy who comes back from from like the Crusades to find that Sheriff John, played by Alan Rickman, who is wonderful in this movie, uh, has like taken over the town that they all live in or something. And Morgan Freeman is his buddy, and Christian Slater's in this movie. Maid Marian is played by Mary Elizabeth Mastran Antonio. Master Antonio. Yeah. Master Antonio. And uh, I said Alan Rickman and Morgan Freeman. And uh, that's really about it. There's some other people in it, too. I hated this movie. I hated it. <laughs> um, Kevin Costner doesn't even try, like, at all for an English accent. Christian Slater. Uh, I, th- I think there are moments. Where he tries a little and it's bad. I don't think he did. He <laughs> <laughs> he 
Christian Slater has an accent for about half the movie, and then he oh, no. he gives up. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, like the right. beginning of the beginning of the movie. He's like, "What's that, Robin?" And you're like, "All right, at least he's trying." And then like later in the movie, he's just he's just Christian Slater yelling at people. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie's terrible. This movie has a six point nine on IMDb. Yeah, I think we need to uh, stop trusting the IMDb <laughs> reviews. <laughs> I, 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 this movie's just so bad. Um, so it, it's the story of Robin Hood. If you if you don't know, Robin Hood robs from the rich and he gives to the poor. Sheriff John, uh, there's no Prince uh, John in this, like from the Disney cartoon. It's just like the sheriff of Nottingham is like consolidating his power, trying to become king while the actual king is fighting in the crusades. And spoiler alert, the king is Sean Connery. Sean Connery shows up for 10 seconds at the end of this movie, and he's like, hello, I'm King Richard. He's like, what am I in? What am I doing in this movie? I'm going to put on all this. It's like I was on the set one day and decided to just walk on. I'm the king. That's a terrible Sean Connery. All I heard you say was spot on, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. My my Sean like Connery Bane. turns into Bane, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Darkness. We um so. we have a running we have a running joke at work where um uh in uh Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, it's yeah. uh Bane as as uh Sean Connery. <laughs> Junior They got us. It's funny at work. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, just to uh, to do a course correction here, I brought up uh, Kevin Reynolds oh, on okay. the IMDb, yes. whose ratings we won't trust. But as far as their filmography, why not? Uh, looks like he did a couple things with Kevin Costner. He directed Waterworld as well. Oh. Um, but he's also got credit for movies that have nothing to do with Kevin Costner, like Tristan and Isolde and uh, Risen and 187, which was a terrible movie, if I remember yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, he's he's actually a person, it seems. Okay. Kevin Reynolds, a real person. Solved. Okay. All uh, right. So, back to Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Um, this movie features some Kevin Costner butt. You get to see his bare ass uh, while he swims at one point. So, yay. We got to see that. Um, that's the highlight of the movie. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. No, it's not. Alan Rickman's in this movie. Alan Rickman is the highlight of this movie. Alan, yeah, Rickman, Alan Rickman knows he's in a bad movie. And he is yeah. just straight up chewing the scenery. Uh, and and um, But anyway, back to Kevin, naked Kevin Costner. He, uh, okay, it's the highlight of the movie for Nick. So there's like there's this scene where Meg Marion like comes in contact with the Lost Boys or not the Lost Boys that's Peter Pan with the um, <laughs> let's just call them the Lost Boys. Sure, why not? And uh, and she's like, "You take me to Robin Hood right now." And and whoever it is is like, "Well, he doesn't know you're coming. He, this is embarrassing for him." And she like he takes him to the the beautiful waterfall pool 
that Robin Williams, Robin Williams, Kevin Costner is swimming <laughs> Good in. Lord, you are just editing this movie like crazy. <laughs> it would be better with way better with Robin Williams as 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 a uh, Robin Hood. And uh, so Robin and Hood, the Lost Boys from the Lost Boys. Robin Hood it's is a vampire like, movie. Is just bathing in in. Uh, in this waterfall pool and then they show him like get out of the water and he's like got a cross underneath the waterfall and Kevin Costner looks terrified to be doing this like he's like pressed up against the wall and he's like scooching to the left and his bare ass is out and it's just like why is this part in the movie we didn't need to see naked Kevin Costner Um, I think back then maybe people wanted to I guess I mean it was the early 90s so Man buns were like huge. Is this the same? You know, I want to make sure I got my film credits right here. Uh-huh. Is this the same waterfall as in Medicine Man? I don't know. I've never seen Medicine Man. Waterfall played by the waterfall. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, you know, check out Medicine Man sometime. Is that a Sean Connery movie? It is. Oh, okay. Yes. No. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so much like Braveheart. Um, uh? Kevin Costner is too old to be playing the character of Robin Hood. Ah, uh, yeah. It uh, like this should be a young a young man, uh, going through this. Like like the beginning of the movie when Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman does a good job in this movie. I've I've got no problem with him. And um, but like him and Morgan Freeman are are returning to England, and Kevin Costner is like a he's like a a t- almost like a teenager. Uh, with his, oh, you did it to save a woman, huh? Tell me about this woman. Tell me about her. Tell me about her. And I have more of an accent than Kevin Costner did. I was going to say, I heard some yeah. accents sneak in yeah. there. I, I had more of an accent than Kevin Costner did. And and Morgan Freeman's like, yeah, it was it was worth, it was worth, she was worth it. And he's like, I thought so. And then off, off they go onto their next adventure. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the Lost Boys because one of the bad guys in this movie, uh, if I can try and find his name here in the list, and I can't. Oh, wait. Michael Wincott, guy of Gisborne? The guy with the scratchy voice? Yeah, Mr. Gravelly Voice. He's in Lost yeah. Boys, isn't he? No. He's not? Oh, he's in The no. Crow. I looked it up before. He's in The Crow. There you go. Yeah, yeah. he's a bad guy in The Crow. Yeah. Um, so Kevin Costner it- fights that guy, and the guy's like, <laughs> "Okay, that's how- I don't know if his voice is quite that scratchy. That's how but he sounds he- when he talks. Isn't he cousins with the sheriff of Nottingham? Yes, or Prince Nottingham? Wait, what is what is Alan Rickman again in this movie? He's the sheriff. He's the sheriff of Nottingham, and his grand scheme, um, in with the evil witch that lives in his castle. Right. Uh, who is uh, played by Geraldine McEwen, uh, who is a beautiful, beautiful woman. Uh, she plays Mortiana, and she's like the witch, and she's like a antichrist or something. She's got inverted crosses and stuff and, and witchcraft. And uh, their plan is for him to become king of England by marrying Maid Marian. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's a stupid plan. But um Yeah, so that's Alan Rickman's goal is to become king of England before Prince or King Richard returns from the Crusades, if he does return. So there's your plot. 
it's yeah. it's really bad. It's really hard to watch. Um, the I don't know if, if of course you remember the Brian Adams song from the yeah, movie. I I think Brian Adams is practically one of the stars of this movie. Yeah. Um, like the theme from that song is played so heavily over the music that's that's used in the movie. Like not the not with the words, but like the like an orchestral version of. Um, oh God, I can't remember the song. It's been stuck in my head all Everything week. Everything I do. Yes. Look into your eyes. You see. All right, let's move on. Um, but like like an orchestral version of that song. <laughs> constantly yeah yeah and um and like you said last week this movie is four years before braveheart came out and the the action sequences are look so stilted they look so boring <clears throat> like the action is so so bland uh and this was like a huge warner brothers movie too like this was a huge movie when it came out mm-hmm. and it's just so blah now let me ask you a question here. Yeah, it, it, I agree with you in terms of that. That is true. That is a spot-on description of this movie. You you grew up having seen this before, right? Oh yeah. What was your relationship with this movie when you were younger? I remember liking it when I was younger. I think it's just because there's a lot of action. Um. And my wife mentioned, and I know this from listening to the Star Wars Minute podcast, but uh-huh. the um, like there was toys and stuff for this movie. Really? Yeah, like lots of toys. Um, and one of the toys was like the treehouse uh, that all the 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 lost boys live in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, from the Star Wars Minute podcast, I learned that after Return of the Jedi came out. Um, they made way too many toys for Return of the Jedi that never got sold, and uh-huh. so like the Ewok villages got they got the ones that didn't sell were repurposed as um, Prince of Thieves treehouse. Uh, Those were sitting around play for sets. years. Yeah, yeah, for years, and then they were sitting around for years again because I don't think anyone bought Robin Hood Prince of I Thieves would toys. Hope not. Good God! But I will say. I remember loving this movie and watching it numerous times as a kid. Uh-huh. And then I tried watching it about, I don't know, maybe nine years ago uh, with my girlfriend at the time. And good Lord, like 25 minutes in, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm putting you through this. We're turning it off. <laughs> and she was like, thank God. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is terrible. This is the most horribly boring experience ever. Yeah. It's so bad. Um, I I said the same thing to my wife because she didn't want to watch this at all. And I'm like, come on, let's put ourselves through some pain. And about 20 minutes in, I was like, I'm sorry. And she's like, you should be. I told you I didn't want to watch this. <laughs> and then you looked at her and said, there's another hour and a half. This movie oh, is man. over. This movie is almost two and a half hours long. Oh, good God. Yeah. It's two hours, 23 minutes. Jesus yeah, Christ. it's really bad. It's like you don't even under, like you can't even figure out like what they were trying to do. But um, as I said, Alan Rickman is terrific. He chews the scenery and in, in every scene he's in, he has the most boring death. Um, spoiler alert: Alan Rickman dies uh, at the end of the movie, 
And um, the way he dies is so anticlimactic. Um, so him and Robin Hood are having their big sword fight in front of Maid Marian. Uh, and, you know, they're going back and forth. And for some reason, Sheriff Nottingham is a great swordsman now. And uh, they have this fight. And then Robin Hood gets disarmed. And Sheriff John looks back at Maid Mary and he's like, I'll be with you in a minute because he's trying to rape her. Uh, in order to right. in order to get her pregnant, because that's how that works. Yeah, because uh, according uh, to the witch lady, she's ripe. Yeah, it's gross. I remember that crap. And uh, and so while he like turns to look at Maid Marian, Robin Hood pulls out this little dagger and stabs the sheriff John right in the heart. And uh, and that's the end of the movie. He's like gets stabbed in the heart, and then he takes like three minutes of stumbling around with like blood coming out of his mouth before he dies. Um, there's a they put together this plan at the end of the movie, um, to rescue all of like the lost boys, um, uh, because they're all going to be hung in the town square, and there's like ten of them, including a child, that are all going to be hung. And they uh, they find out about it because Christian Slater, who plays Will Scarlet, uh, comes back and he's like, "Hey, um, Robin Hood's brother." Hey, Robin Hood. First off, I'm your long lost brother. Uh, number two, uh, I was sent here to assassinate you. I'm probably not going to do that. And three, um, here's what's going on at the castle. Uh, let's put together a plan so we can rescue these guys. So they put together a plan. And it all revolves around Robin Hood being able to shoot an arrow through a rope to, uh, to, to like free them from being hung. Like he's going to cut the noose with an arrow. But while the prisoners are being marched. All right. So here's, 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 let's take a step back. So the people love Robin Hood because he robs from the rich and gives to the poor. So the people love him. They love him and his merry men. That's the word. Merry men, not lost boys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stick with lost boys. It sounds better. And uh, and so, like, everyone loves them. So, like, the, the, the day that they're all being marched out to be executed, the people are throwing food at them like they hate them. Like, it's the, it looks like the scene from Braveheart where Ke uh, Mel Gibson's being... Um, uh, taken to the torture spot where they're going to execute him and people are throwing food at him, but it makes sense because those are like English people and he's from Scotland. Whereas yeah. in Robin hood, the people are, they're having like food thrown at them. They're being booed and all that stuff. But these are the people that supposedly love these people. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like why, why are these people booing anyway? Doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. Uh, so anyway, while they're marching, towards the executioner zone um christian slater gets into the face of this kid who's going to be executed and the kid thinks that uh christian slater has betrayed everyone but he hasn't so he the, christian slater gets in the face of this kid and he's like hey it's me will scarlet what are you doing what's going on and the kid's like hey that's will scarlet that's him that's him that's him he, he betrayed us he betrayed us and like the whole plan goes right out the window and you're like, what was Christian Slater thinking? Like, what was the plan here? And so then Robin Hood and, and, and Morgan Freeman, who's invented gunpowder, uh, start blowing up the, um, 
the castle that they're all in and it just leads to the climactic fight between uh robin hood and uh sheriff john but uh what a bad movie so bad the end that's really all i got to say about it like check it out (laughs) don't (laughs) don't yeah nick told me to to watch it so we could talk about it together and i refused yeah (laughs) i'm not putting myself through that um yeah all right well then well what's up next then uh shall we do your harry potter corner Oh, okay. Yeah. Or did so you want to updates. save that for later? Uh, no, you know, let's let's throw it in now and spice things up with some. Uh, well, I was going to say non-movie stuff that doesn't make sense. Anyway, so uh, yeah, a couple uh, episodes back, we had raised some questions about different ever uh, um, about Horcruxes and about Arthur Weasley. So I'll start there. So I checked in with my friend Heather, who is the leading expert, or at least our expert, on Harry Potter. Uh huh. Now, we had had a little bit of a discussion about the jokes around Arthur Weasley. And for those of you who don't know, that's Harry Potter's best friend's father, uh, also a wizard. And the jokes about him and muggles. And so here, here's the official feedback. <laughs> okay. Arthur Weasley is a competent muggle expert. He should be respected and appreciated as someone with wizarding abilities uh, who's interested in this other culture, the non-wizards. But he's still very disconnected from what they actually are, and it's not an illustration of how bad of a muggle expert he is. It's a demonstration or, or a presentation of how disconnected wizards are and how confused they are and potentially disinterested in a way uh, by muggles. So much so that even the expert uh, is kind of his knowledge is, is pretty bleak and limited. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's, it's the joke isn't so much about Arthur Weasley as it is a joke about wizards in general. Okay. Um, he sort of perf- personifies the culture shock between wizards and muggles. All right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we, in our discussion, uh, you know, it's like, okay, keep telling me stuff. Um, <laughs> she kind of explained that, like, even though there are some wizards who are born to muggles, uh, you wouldn't really see any of them be muggle experts because there's just not much reason for them to be interested in muggles. They already were growing up around muggles, and then they got to find out they were wizards. And if you found out that you were a wizard, would you be like, oh, cool, I'm a wizard. Let me sit down and study being a muggle. Right. Um, although I will acknowledge that Hermione does consider taking uh, muggle studies, to which Ron, Mr. Weasley's son, says, why the fuck would you study muggles? <laughs> <laughs> you grew up with muggles. Well, she's a mudblood, right? It's an easy credit for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. Um is it mud blood a slur? Oh yeah, that's like that's a that's a that's a, that's a word that if these were real things, uh, 
only people on Reddit would use. <laughs> um, Mud blood. Well, and and, uh, and and Heather made a good point about this. Mostly illustrated in the books, not really the movies. But like in the uh, fourth story at the Quidditch World Cup at the beginning of the book or movie, um, there's a degree of demonstration that. Mr. Weasley's more competent than the other wizards because they have to disguise themselves as muggles. And even while he might look like his outfit might be a little strange, like he he knows what to put on in a general sense, whereas other people are wearing like tarps and some guys walking around in like a lady's bathrobe. And I mean, it's just like stuff that would stand out. Mm-hmm. More. All right. Now... Uh, clearly I was dictating this because <laughs> I'm looking at my notes and it says, use magic so we should have more understanding FaceTime. <laughs> you can um, always tell when you're texting me and you're using the, uh, the dictation thing because it doesn't make uh, any sense. Oh, good Lord. It's the worst when I'm sending you a message. Yeah. Let me, um, let me see if I can find the one from the other day where I was like, I don't know what you said. So we're we're taking a left turn from Harry Potter corner over to autocorrect corner. Um, there there is another Harry Potter thing here, but uh, oh here, wait till you find, there you go. Here it is. Uh, this is from Saturday. I saw Bumblebee last night. I wouldn't give it an essay or anything, but the first four minutes are worse. Whatever you might pay to see it. <laughs> You know, that sounds <laughs> and then pretty once, decent. When you, uh, when I said, um, "What?" you replied, "It's all Bumblebee, not an A." But the first few minutes are worth the ticket price. Then you're like, then you can look back and you're like, "Oh, I can see what you're oh, trying I to say there." That was. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think uh, if you were to sc- scroll back further, I th- there was one I sent you at some point. You were like, "What does that mean?" And I was like, <laughs> "That." I'm going to have to think about for a while. Um, okay, so question two. And this is this blew my mind. Okay, so about the Horcruxes. Because um, we've been talking about the Chamber of Secrets and how the diary at the end of the Chamber of Secrets is a Horcrux. And Heather, she, she explained that she had thought about Horcruxes similarly to how I had. And it was as though what Voldemort did was stick part of himself in an object uh-huh. so that that part of himself, if he were to die, could like spring to life and right. be him. And no, we that's, have it all wrong. That's not what was going on. That's not how it works. So, so think about it this way instead. <clears throat> um, if there's a Horcrux in the world, then if Mort is killed, the spirit can stay in the world. It doesn't go to Horcrux. Horcrux is just something that allows him to continue existing. So it kind of answers two, two, uh, kind of answers two questions at the same time, which is why he's not popping out of these different things all over the and why he is able to to the back of people's heads and stuff like that. He's because there are horcruxes in existence. His spirit is to just stay float around. Okay. Um, so you were breaking uh, up a little bit there, and I think every time it broke up was when you would say an important word. 
Okay. Um, so I, I so caught about is- half of that, I think. All right. So, Horcruxes uh-huh. allow... They're kind of like... Uh, not lightning rods, because that towards him. They, they just allow him to continue existing. So if Voldemort, if the Horcrux, Jesus Christ, why don't uh, why don't you give me a call back in a second? Call me, call all me right. right back. All right. All right. Yep. Hanging up. Well, listeners, it's just you and me for the next few seconds while we wait for Midwest Matt to give us the old telephone call back. Yes, we're waiting patiently for the phone to ring, and I will tease you with it. Oh, there it is! Christ. That was loud. Hello? I hope you'll edit this out later so people don't have to listen to me terribly explain Horcruxes eight times. Um, Or like eight partial times. Right. Okay. So, here's how Horcruxes work. (laughs) (laughs) they aren't they aren't something that Voldemort if he dies like his spirit shoots into and they're not another part of him that just pops up into life once he's dead they are just sources of they are parts of his soul but all they do is keep his spirit in this world so that if he his spirit can linger around until he reestablishes a body. Okay. It doesn't really the, clear the, anything the, up. Well, no, it's, it does. It does it because they, they aren't supposed to do much on their own. Still a little strange that the diary does what it does uh-huh. um, in the second one, but it's a little bit like, it's sort of a special Horcrux because it's got a bunch of memory stuff put into it. Um, but all the rest of them are things like cups and Dara and like less, um, like kind of more static objects in a way, except for the snake. So I don't know about um, <laughs> that. Maybe could be doing that's the end of Harry Potter corner, I guess. <laughs> Okay. If you would like to sponsor Harry Potter Corner, check us out on <laughs> Patreon. You know what? Maybe we should just just let Harry Potter Corner be free for now. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, right. So that uh, that's Harry Potter Corner for this week. Um, Matt, you watched the movie. Are you still recording? Yep. Haven't stopped. <laughs> Okay, so you're going to just chop out like a nice half hour. There's a good three-minute period where there was no sound. <laughs> like the first right. time the first time you called me back, I narrated through it, and, yeah. and I've given up on that. Oh, man. You can just put bloopers at the end of the episode. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, so, Matt. This week, I, <laughs> I saw Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, <laughs> All right. So, Jesus fucking crying me. Okay. 
All right. Again, Nick. Listeners, this is the third time I think I've had to explain this. We've been having a slew of technical issues putting this episode together this week where uh, large chunks of the the episode have been lost to time because of bad audio quality. Um, Originally, there were lots of corners. Now it's just a sphere. (laughs) Um, All right. So, so Nick, I watched Fellowship of the Ring. Uh Uh-huh. It's... The first of the three Lord of the Rings movies. Oh. Uh, yeah. So in this movie, uh, this hobbit, which is a small human with hairy feet, uh, has to take a ring that's extremely powerful and controls all these other rings of power to a volcano where he can throw it in and destroy it. Uh-huh. Because uh, a wizard and, told him to. Right. A wizard named Gandalf, played by Ian McKellen, told him to. And, uh, you know, this movie, uh, you know, I had some things written down, but I deleted them. As I was <laughs> you've got, <laughs> you've got, uh, four hobbits, two uh-huh. humans, a wizard, a dwarf and Superman. Right. Oh, wait, I mean. An elf. Oh, right. Okay. And that's that's just that uh, my little joke about how this movie's got one character who's way too overpowered because uh-huh. um, this elf can do anything. And really, to the degree that when certain things happen, you're like, wait a minute, the elf could have done something there. Um, and the wizards, too. Like, I, I noticed that the wizard like power is used pretty sparsely. But I don't know. Maybe it's like Dungeons and Dragons and... Gandalf wakes up and gives himself two spells to use that day. Uh-huh. Um, but I like this movie a lot. It's my favorite of the three. I feel like it's the most dynamic because you're setting things up and you're going from a very quaint setting to a very large epic setting um, or list of settings. Mm-hmm. And um, it allows for there to be what I was talking about in our last discussion when I was talking about a I think Indiana Jones, um, a sense of wonder. You know, this is uh, probably one of the in more recent years. Although I guess this movie is what seventeen years old now. Yeah. Um, that uh, it this is uh, a movie that does have a lot of wonder, a lot of spectacle. Um, as I mentioned before during the uh, crisis of connection um (laughs) (laughs) that uh there's a pretty it's a mixed bag you know there are a lot of things where like with the special effects some of the designs and effects are really really great and then there are some that just look kind of like like microsoft paint Mm -hmm. um i mean they don't look that bad but they look bad in comparison to other stuff so like if you see some of the scenes where you know frodo puts on the ring and you're seeing this kind of I don't know. It just looks like a music video effect, like something out of black holes. Then it goes from this kind of janky effect to like later you see what's uh, this giant fire monster called the Belrog. And that's just the best looking thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, 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 if you're not sure about these movies and you're going to give fellowship of the ring a try, I'd say, the three hours if you're watching the theatrical cut on Netflix or the four hours if you're watching the extended edition. Um, even if you don't love the movie, it's worth it just to see this Balrog. 
it's such a cool moment. Yeah. Um, and I had mentioned before that there's a, a pretty good mix in this movie of different tones. There's this like kind of fun, lighthearted adventure, but there are also moments where there's some pretty good horror stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and uh, one thing that I noticed this time around is how good of a job they do with reaction shots from different characters. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a couple things that happen throughout the movie. Spoiler alert. Um, for instance, when Gandalf dies, um, <gasps> where you see how, don't worry, he comes back. <laughs> um, where you see how the different characters are responding. And it really gives you a sense of like, oh yeah, they would all have kind of different reactions to this. You can see they're all sad, but they're processing things in different ways. Um, and then when they meet Galadriel, Kate, played by Kate Blanchett, um, they all, I, I really noticed this this time, how differently they react to her just kind of with their, with their facial expressions. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really good. Although I got to say, I, Oh yeah, and I mentioned this before. Um, there's a pony in this movie that I'm not sure when this pony shows up. Isn't the pony's name Bill? It is. It's Bill the Pony, and it seems like it's Sam's pony. Uh huh. But like, there's a whole beginning of the movie where they're running around and they do not have a pony with them. They certainly don't have a pony with them jumping onto the wooden ferry that they take to get away from the ring race on the horses. Uh, but then later they have a pony and it's about three quarters of the way into the movie. And Aragorn tells uh, Sam, he's got to let build a pony find his way home. And you're like, Hey, that's, that's sad and sweet. But where the hell did that thing come from? <laughs> when did they get that? I feel like they got it in the town, but I might be remembering the book. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I I, I want to say in the book they have it the whole time. I think it's just Sam's pony. Um, but anyway, it's just kind of strange. Uh-huh. Um, so if you're watching this, did you watch the <laughs> uh, the theatrical version or the extended version? You know, I have watched the extended version a lot of times, uh-huh. and I will say that the what I saw this time was the theatrical version. Um, because that's what's on Netflix, and I was watching it at the gym. Um, but uh, in spite of the fact that even this version is three hours long, uh-huh. it does feel a bit like it. It, it feels a, a bit choppy, like where there are things where you're like, "Oh, that's that seems like it wasn't quite paced out." So if you're if you're trying to choose one, I'd say go for the extended cut. Um, but do understand that it is like three and a half or four hours long yeah this is the theatrical cut it's shorter and it was still three hours yeah they're Um, they're epics yeah well and that's another thing about this that i really like it's it's they're these movies are epic but they don't take themselves too seriously Mm -hmm. at least not this one i think the third one takes itself pretty seriously um but fellowship of the ring it's it's it is huge but it doesn't get pretentious um and yeah, that, I think that's about all I got to say. Actually, the end of this movie is stupid. Um, I, and it really kind of hit me this time around too, where I'm like, wait a minute. Frodo decides to go off on his own, even though only like 40 minutes before that, well, maybe like an hour before that, 
they just got put together as the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh huh. Insert disc two. Because uh, that's where that falls <laughs> in the two disc set. Um, but it's this big thing where it's like, yes, we finally put together this group who's going to take the ring to the volcano. And then Frodo's like, yeah, I'm going to go off on my own now. And it makes a little bit of sense from a conversation that he had with Galadriel, again, played by Kate Blanchett. I'm not sure which version of this recording I mentioned that. In, but, <laughs> um, he, uh, he, go, he wants to go off on his own. But then the other members of the party are like, they're like, we're going to let him go alone. And Aragorn says, yeah. And they're like, oh, all right. And I'm like, wait a minute. If I were just put on a team whose mission was to save the world by getting this ring to a volcano, mm-hmm. and I were to see that he's like jumped to the other side of a river and getting ready to leave, I'd, I'd be chasing after him. I wouldn't just go, oh, we're letting him go? Okay. I'd be like, no, the, the fate of the world rests on our shoulders. Let's follow. <laughs> you know, let's, maybe we can hang back 20 feet or so and make him more comfortable. But isn't, I'm not going to have him going on his own. Isn't when he runs off, isn't it like right after Boromir tries to take the ring from him before the orcs show up? Yeah. And that's the conversation that he has with Galadriel because she's like, he's going to try to take the ring. And she explains to Frodo that it's going to destroy them one by one. Uh-huh. So he needs to but, leave because otherwise they'll all betray him. I that's his motivation, I think. Uh-huh. But Legolas and Gimli don't know that. And Gimli's a stubborn ass dwarf, and Legolas has been since the moment he showed up on screen immediately dedicated. So it it just doesn't make sense that they go, "Oh, okay." We won't follow him then. Hmm. Like Aragorn doesn't even explain. He doesn't say, yeah, uh, Frodo needs to do the rest of this mission on his own, to which I think they would still protest. He's just like, yep, we're letting him go. Now let's go kill some orcs. Let us hunt some orc. Yeah. Yeah. That's the dwarf. Anyway, so Um, uh, I I still love this movie, but. I was like, this is kind of dumb. We tried, uh, I tried watching that with my son, uh, probably a month ago. Oh Lord, that's too scary for him. Right? Um, well, the beginning's not, the beginning's real nice and friendly when they're in the Shire and all. And yeah. right around the time when, uh, Mary and Pippin run into Frodo and Sam, when they, when they start the journey and they fall down the hill and, yep. and, and, and <laughs> the ring race shows up. Well, Mary hits the bottom of the hill and like, he's like, Oh, I think I broke something. And he pulls out a carrot. That's like broken in half. Yeah. My son thought that was the funniest joke he's ever heard. He's oh, like, yeah. he's like, he thought he broke his leg, but he broke a carrot. And I'm like, yep, and then that's... there's a real dark and then, turn. Yeah. Three seconds and later. then the, the ring wraith shows up with the bloody horse and uh, luckily, right then was when it was time for dinner, and uh, so we had to turn it off. But I was like, oh, he was really into this movie up until just now, um, so we turned it off. And then, I, and then that's when I tried to, uh, I, th- I think I told you I was trying to read to him the book, the Lord oh, of the Rings right. book, and he didn't like that. And then for Christmas, Santa brought him um, The Hobbit, uh, an illustrated Hobbit book yeah to to try and do and he doesn't care (laughs) we we tried we tried reading the first five pages of the hobbit he was like this is boring daddy yeah he's he's too young too young for it yeah yeah 
It's a shame because uh, uh, The Hobbit is, I think, my favorite of all the books. Oh, really? Uh, although The Silmarillion's a pretty interesting read. It's a weird book, but it's, uh, it's it, worth checking out. I haven't read that one. But I definitely like the Lord of the Rings movies better than the Hobbit movies. Those things suck. Have you seen all three of the Hobbit movies? Yeah, unfortunately, and I wish I could get my 11 hours back. Yeah, I've only seen the first two, and I really don't want to watch the third one. Don't waste your time. I'm sure on YouTube there's a 90-minute version of the three movies that's probably pretty good. It's probably better than any of the movies on there. Yeah. So that was a Fellowship of the Ring. All right. I highly recommend it. That only took us 45 minutes to get through. Yay. (laughs) All right. Um, that brings me to my second movie that I saw this week called the, uh, just outlaw King. Uh, it's from 2018. It's on Netflix, uh, directed by David McKenzie. Uh, it was really good. Um, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. It stars Chris Pine and he plays Robert the Bruce. Um, and that's really the only actor of, of note in this movie, there's like a couple of people where you're like, I recognize, I recognize this person, but like, you don't know who they are. Like I'm trying to look at these names and I can't reckon, I don't recognize any of these names except for Chris Pine and Chris Pine plays, um, Robert the Bruce. Like I said, he gets crowned King of Scotland. Uh, and then he, uh, it's the story of him trying to lead a revolt to uh, free Scotland from English rule. Um, it's pretty funny, I guess that, uh, I found this movie, um, just, uh, like a few days after watching Braveheart, uh, because Braveheart takes place, the, the events in Braveheart take place right before this mo- the events of this movie start. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, um, the beginning of this movie says that, uh, all of these events are based on historical events. Like everything in this movie is based on something that really happened. And uh-huh. Braveheart is not like Braveheart is like, here's, here's something that happened, but we're taking a lot of, uh, historical liberties, a lot with, of liberties. Yeah. Um, to tell a story. So like w- going straight from Braveheart to this movie is a little jarring because, um, because, because of everything that happens in Braveheart is not reflected in what happens in this movie. Like for instance, the King of England is still alive in this movie and his son isn't like a, uh, a weakling or, or gay. I guess he could be gay, but they don't talk about it at all. Is it's in, not part of the story? Yeah. It's not part of the story. Um, in, in fact, the, the, the son of the King is like kind of a, a loose cannon, almost a, lun- a lunatic, oh. um, which is quite a different character than the, than the, the son of the King in Braveheart. So you kind of have to, take both movies with a grain of salt and just kind of think of it as like a spiritual sequel, just kind of continuing the story. Um, but in, in that, um, if, if you remember what I was saying about watching Braveheart, there's some pretty epic battle sequences in this movie and, and in Braveheart, there are, like I was saying in Braveheart is like the last movie that they had epic battle sequences without a lot of CGI. Yeah. And this movie has a lot of CGI battle sequences and, and it's like a lot of horses like being attacked or like, you know, like a cavalry riding in. 
Yeah. And, uh, and it really does, uh, the lack of like that, that lack of realism really does distract from the weight of the scene you're watching. Uh, Um, like there's like a a whole wave of horses coming at you, but only like four or five of them are real. You know what I mean? And then, and then like the, the horses, uh, get attacked and the violence in Braveheart I think is, is better done, but there's. There's a, this movie does a really good job of showing like the fog of war where like they're, they're fighting in these muddy, muddy bogs. And you're like, how does anyone know who to attack? Like, like there must've been just back in the, back in those times, just so much friendly fire, uh, as far as like, you're just attacking the next person you see. Like, cause there's just, I just can't understand how they were, they would be able to, uh, identify people yeah how can you tell friend from foe they look exactly the same as you unless you've gotten to know every comrade you've got in your army right yeah and and i know colors were important back then like the colors that you wore which signified the team you were on but um but like these these soldiers were all wearing like everyone's just dressed in gray chain mail and uh well and once you're once you're covered in mud and stuff too yeah exact mud and blood um but uh, that being said, those those are just questions I think I have for history. My son is yelling through the. I don't know if you can hear that, but he's yelling through the uh, air conditioning duct. So, excellent. There's that. <laughs> now we have that to contend with. Um. So. Uh, uh. Anyway, uh, Outlaw King is it's a good movie. It was it was a fun watch. Um, re- really violent, uh, pretty interesting from a historical standpoint, because it, it does make a point of saying, uh, this is based on historical events at the beginning. So you have to like, I just assume that it, that's true. <laughs> I didn't do any does research it, on my own. Does it feel more like legitimate history? Like then, then Braveheart, you know, cause Braveheart, it, I know there was a lot of talk about it being like, this is based on a true story, but like, as you're watching it, you can feel it's sort of corny and stuff. Does this have a more, does it feel more like you're watching something that's probably historically honest? Uh, yeah, actually the first 10 minutes or so of the movie are one long continuous steady cam shot of, um, of where, um, Chris Pine, uh, like takes the knee in front of the King of England and it basically shows like life in like these these war camps and like they're they're inside like the king's tent and then we go out of the tent and then we go back into the tent and and it just kind of shows very casually shows like the day-to-day life of what it seemed like to be back then which is very interesting and then um and then like the scene ends uh, behind the tent where the war is still raging and they're going to, and they're launching like this trebuchet at this, uh, uh, castle that hasn't surrendered yet. And, uh, and, and the, the, my favorite line from the whole movie is like, but they've already surrendered. He's like, yeah, well, it took us three months to build this trebuchet. So we're going to use it. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I, I would kind of highly recommend it. Uh, Outlaw yeah. King it's on Netflix. Uh, if you have Netflix, um, Chris Pine does a great job. You get to see his dick. So there's that. Uh, it has, it has an unnecessarily, it has an unnecessary nude sequence in it. 
uh, where he's taking a bath in a, like a little river and he stands up and there's his, uh, junk. <laughs> <laughs> you seem less excited about his junk than you were about Kevin Costner's butt. <laughs> I, I really wasn't expecting uh, See, I think I knew, I knew Kevin Costner's butt was in that movie. I didn't know I'd get to see, uh, Chris Pine's Captain Kirk. Well, congratulations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but he has a, a Scottish accent in this movie and, uh, it's, he doesn't have like a whole lot of lines. Um, and, and a lot of the things he says is really quiet and he's, he's a reserved kind of character. But, um, uh, for a while I forgot that Chris Pine isn't Scottish. Oh, um, nice. like, like, you know how so many actors these days are English or, or, or Irish and they do an American accent. I forgot that Chris Pine is American and he's doing a Scottish accent for this movie. So I was like, Oh yeah, I kind of lost myself in his character there. That's, that's really good. Yeah. He's turning out to be a, an actual talented actor. Yeah. I, uh, I like Chris Pine a lot. Uh, but that's all, all right. That's, that's really all I got to say about, uh, outlaw King. It's a, it's cool. a good glimpse into 14th century, uh, world of uh, Scotland. That might be my next uh, my next movie at the gym. Yeah. Although you know, it's fun. Though. Hopefully, there aren't any kids around when his wang pops up on screen. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel a little weird when I'm at the gym and there's nudity on my TV yeah. or on my phone or whatever. Like, I'm like, uh, yeah. There's I'm some like a pervert right now. <laughs> there's a there's a brief scene of female nudity in this movie too, and. Uh, Oh, you get to see Chris Pine's butt too. That's right. Forgot. And uh yeah. So I've seen all of I've seen like all of Chris Pine. You, you say that something shows up on screen, you're like, you get to. Yeah, you, you get to see it. <laughs> you get to see his dick. Yeah. You get to see his butt. <laughs> oh man. All right, yeah. So Outlaw King. Uh, right. uh total recommend. And Excellent. and this movie and and like we were saying about the IMDb ratings, this movie is a, a 7.0 on Netflix, one point uh, one better than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, good lord! Yeah. So, does Rotten Tomatoes review Netflix movies? Uh, I don't know. It has a Metacritic score of fifty nine. Which feels pretty low, I guess. That sounds I low. Yeah. Well, although if you're if you're comparing that to the IMD ra- IMDb ratings and the IMDb ratings are giving everything a freaking seven, yeah. Then who knows? Right. Um, let's see here. I'm going to check out to uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, while you're doing that, I'll I'll just drop some more knowledge. Uh, in Do the it. trivia for this movie, I read that the original cut for this movie is was four hours long. Ooh. And it's already it's just over two hours long the the final cut and I and while I was watching it I was like man I would have loved to have seen a four hour version of this I feel like there's so much more story that they uh, they didn't get to address uh, and the movie just at the end of the movie the movie just ends where it's like oh that's the that's the end of the movie it's over huh. it's it's pretty jarring the way that it ends um, also it. Um, uh, if you remember the end of Braveheart, uh, somebody does a voiceover at the end. I can't remember if it's Mel Gibson or not, but they talk about how after Braveheart is uh, executed, they send his uh, his head to like somewhere and then his limbs to the four corners of Scotland as a warning. 
Um, uh-huh. That's reflected in this movie. Like at one point, uh, Chris Pine is in is in a town delivering the taxes from his county or whatever. And William Wallace's head is there. It's like his his leg or something is like hanging uh-huh. off of like a town center. And I was like, oh man, that's a cool detail. Uh, and and especially since I just watched Braveheart, I know I already said that, but like it was, it's like yeah. a, a real sequel. Yeah, I could, I could see that being a, a cool element to have there. Yeah. Pretty dark, but, you know, still yeah. uh, gives it a little bit of that. Well, and maybe, you know, even that if it is his leg and not his head, you know, a little bit more uh, Well, it's less that, dramatic, so kind of more real. It's, uh, it's that moment um, where the people are reacting to the, the limb being hung up, where the, the people are like, how could you do this? Where, where Chris Pine is like, oh, these people are still ready to fight. Uh-huh. Th- these people aren't totally defeated yet, and that that leads him to to starting an, another revolution. Um, but Chris Pine's character, he is not a good guy. It's uh oh okay yeah he's uh it's kind of a dark character. Like he does some pretty despicable things. Okay. Yeah, so but, it's a little but more like, realistic. It's a little more realistic. The things that he does, like I don't want to spoil it, but like some of the things that he he does is um uh he uh it's understandable but you're like wow that was pretty unnecessary but it's pretty unnecessary but necessary if that makes sense when when you it see it it'll, it'll make sense then <laughs> okay i i am gonna check this out sounds pretty good more uh, i guess instead of more unnecessary what it's more of a wow that escalated quickly oh okay yeah um, my, my shock while you were talking was not actually about how long the movie is. Uh-huh. Um, but as I brought up Rotten Tomatoes, uh, I saw that glass has a 35%. I'm not hearing and good so, things about it. Yeah. So my shock was, oh no. Cause I've already kind of dedicated myself to seeing it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Hopefully we can see that, uh, uh, the same week and we can review that together yeah. and not have to go through it twice. Right. Now what, is, what's the name of the movie you were just talking about? Cause I do want to see if it, if it's reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. Outlaw King. Outlaw King. Uh, let's see here. At one point, they give him this crown, and uh, oh, it's it's got a sixty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. I think yeah, that's a de- decent score. Yeah. Although I, I think uh, it's like a sixty three percent too. Yeah. Everything from now on will be measured against Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Aquaman got a sixty four percent. That's not possible. Oh, good grief. <laughs> uh. Everyone that It'll I've talked a, to about Aquaman has disliked the movie, and yet it just keeps making money. Yeah, I it's made more it. money than than Batman vs Superman and the Justice League. Didn't make as much as Black Panther. No, well, actually, I think it is approaching Black Panther money. No, I think it is. No, because Black Panther made more than any of the other Marvel movies domestically. No, maybe that's oh god. All right. So that brings us to your next movie. Oh that, no, that brings us to what happens before my next movie. Oh boy. Preview corner. Brought to you by the big ticket. Yeah, big ticket. I hope you feel like you're getting your money's worth <laughs> here. <laughs> 
Um, so my first experience while in preview corner was pre-preview uh, advertisement corner. Uh-huh. That's a smaller corner. Coke corner. Um, no, nothing about Coke in this one. I mean, actually, it was it was they did still do that one with the you know pepperoni pizza and hey, I hope you're putting together a transformer over there. Oh, that- that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I'm playing with a utility knife. <laughs> All right. Um, I didn't think that was that loud. Dude, I know it. Would, it never shows up on this on this show, but it's like any little thing you do seems to come right through in the headset. Everything it's, it's, uh, you do, do for you. I don't think that's how that works. There's no love. Okay, this, this show's going to be eight hours long. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no Coke commercial. And actually, this the this my my question or complaint here is how people keep laughing at these M&M ads which are just stupid like uh, the ones where the M&M's like I can't believe you let your phone ring yeah or they're like this is a mission he's like no this is an envelope uh-huh. and people always laugh at those and I, I don't I just don't get it I'm like at this point how are you finding this funny uh-huh. but <laughs> but this wasn't even an experience I had this time around because I was in the theater literally by myself. Um, but when the commercial came on, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm almost expecting there to be someone laughing at this stupid thing because they always do. So anyway, uh, previews. I saw a preview for a movie named or called uh, Breakthrough. And there's a theme here because if you go see Vice, almost all the previews are like based on a true story movies. Um, which makes some sense because Vice is a true story. Mm-hmm. So breakthrough, PG movie, and this is why it's PG for thematic content. Okay. So you better have a parent with you because there's themes. <laughs> I don't really know how that works. Um, but Topher Grace plays a I don't know pastor or priest or some sort of religious guy. Who's friends with this family, and this kid drowns, and he's underwater for like 15 minutes, but then he lives. Again, this is based on a true story, so I guess this actually happened. And all I really got from the preview was that I wish the movie was called Drown Boy. (laughs) I thought that would have been a better title, but it's a breakthrough. Enjoy. Okay. Um, Next preview. Uh, based on a true story, movie called Fighting with My Family, which has uh, not Simon Pegg, but his chubby counterpart. What's Nick, his name? Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Uh, and he and his family are wrestling fans. It's also got Vince Vaughn and The Rock in it. Uh, and the two kids, brother and sister, um, are, I guess there's some sort of contest to be in the WWE. The sister makes it in, the brother doesn't. He's disappointed, then supportive, and then I'm sure everybody's happy at the end, and that's it. Uh-huh. All right. Then there was a preview for a movie called Gloria Bell with Julianne Moore and John Turturro. And I think the point of this is that old people can love again. It looked kind of like something's got to give, but instead of Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson, it's got Julianne Moore and John Turturro. Uh, I guess the focus of it's supposed to be a bit more on the female character. Um, so maybe it's sort of a counterpart to, to something's got to give that way. Cause yeah. I think Jack Nicholson's the main character there. 
I really like Something's Gotta Give. This did not look good. Uh, um, I still love Julianne Moore, but, you know, like we've said before, her movies are hit or miss. This looks like a miss to me. Okay. Um, then I saw a preview for a movie called Hotel Mumbai. Uh, that is about a uh, hostage situation. Uh, lots of hostages. I think in the Taj Mahal. Um, they keep calling it the Taj, so I would assume so. And uh, it's, it looks pretty uh, good. It's based on actual events, like it's from that uh, terrorist attack in uh, in uh, in Mumbai. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. All these ago. are all these are based on true stories. Yeah. Although I don't know if Gloria Bell is a real person or not, but this hotel Mumbai actually looked pretty good. Uh, I, I I'm interested. Um, then there's a movie called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? with Kate Blanchett. Uh, I don't know if this is based on a true story or not. Probably is. Uh, I think she fakes her own death because she just ditches her family. Um, and the family's trying to figure out where this woman went. Um, and then things kind of took a twist because there's all these based on real uh, events and, you know, kind of serious or, you know, whatever. Those kinds of movies. And Godzilla too. Yeah, lots okay. of monsters. Right, Dunkin' Donuts product placement. Uh-huh. I'm excited to see Mothra and Hydra, or whatever the three-headed thing is called. Um, and then there was a preview for a movie called Us, which is a, another Jordan Peele movie. Um, oh, right, I think it's yeah. Got I a lot of this, folks yeah. who worked on Get Out kind of working together again. Yeah. Um, I still need to see Get Out. You haven't seen it yet? No. You do need to see Get Out. Get your ass on that. Maybe we'll watch that tonight. You should. Um, And so this movie looks a bit like uh, The Strangers meets, um, uh, what's that movie called? The Others. Uh, So it looks like kind of like a mashup of of ideas from those. Um, But based on Get Out, I would expect it to be better than either of those movies. Uh Uh-huh. because that was a great movie. There is some stuff in Get Out that's not perfect. There's there's some uh, kind of comedic, uh, comic relief stuff that's a little out of place. But um, but it's a good movie. Okay. All right. And then there was wow, a, a lot of previews. This is the eighth one. This was not a normal preview. Uh, but this is one of those things where they like have the people who worked on the movie talking about the movie. And it was another one for Alita Battle Angel. Uh-huh. And it just looked like Robert Rodriguez. And I don't know if it was Ridley Scott or who made Terminator 2? James Cameron. Or James Cameron. I think it's one of those guys. And boy, do they look like they are desperate. Like they're like, we look, we put a lot of work into this movie, so please go see it. The, um, the advanced buzz about that movie is that it's pretty good. Well, you would not know it from this because they just look, they they just look disappointed. Yeah. Like they look sad to be there. Yeah. And that's the end of preview corner. Brought to you by the big ticket. Good job, big ticket. Uh, Vice. <laughs> okay. Movie about Dick Cheney, starring Christian Bale. Is Dick Cheney, Amy Adams is uh, Lynn Cheney, Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush, 
Steve Carell is Donald Rumsfeld and a bunch of other people is other people. Um, Tyler Perry's in there as Colin Powell. Um, Tyler Perry plays Colin Powell. That's what I said. Hmm. Yep. And, uh, and he's, he does a good job. Um, it, it does give you a little bit of like, I, I don't know what your opinions on Colin Powell are, but it, I, I, had some respect for him then during the, the Bush years went, Oh, he's not as great as I thought. And this fills in a little bit of that. Like, here's what was going on. As long as it's accurate anyway, here's uh-huh. what's going on behind the scenes with how he got kind of used. Um, and this movie is very, I, th- I think a lot of people who worked on it were the same folks that worked on the big short. Um, obviously it's got some of the same stars. I never saw that. <sighs> Well, this has a very similar feel to that. I never, it's not that I didn't want to see it. I just never got around to it. You know, I, I watched the big short around the same time as I watched, um, another reality movie spotlight. Uh Uh-huh. Never saw that either. Of the two of them, I'd say spotlight's a lot better. Spotlight's Um, about the, uh, priests, right? Yeah. Yeah. The child molestation and stuff. Um, and the Big Short and Vice have a pretty similar feel. It's like a movie that's sort of meant to inform, um, and it does do a decent job of, like, you know how these days when you actually see like George W. Bush, you, you go like, "Oh, I remember simpler times." Yeah. <laughs> the, in spite of the fact that those were horrible times, also, um. This is a kind of a decent reminder in a way of how we got to where we are now. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, hey, don't forget, this stuff didn't all just start. It's been going on for decades. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's good in that sense. Um, and it does give you a pretty good sense of like how Dick Cheney got to be so powerful um, without people even really knowing him. And knowing like who he is and like what he's about. And and I even felt that way where I'm like, I paid a lot of attention during the Bush years, but never knew what Dick Cheney was actually doing and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this does a pretty good job of laying that out. But as a movie, I would say it's, it's not great. Um, Just from an, I don't know, entertaining and, engaging standpoint like i never checked my phone during a movie i checked my phone like six or seven times during this movie um where i was like yeah i'm gonna find out who this actor is because right now i'm not that engaged in what's going on um i'm not saying it's a bad movie but i i there it definitely had some drawbacks i i can't necessarily recommend it easily Mm -hmm. um if you're really into, if you, I would put it this way: if you liked The Big Short, you'll you'll probably like this. There are some things both movies have where it gets creative here and there and does some interesting jokes. And there's sort of conceits as far as how things are being explained to you that are they're different from The Big Short, but they're but they've got a similar feel to them. Um, like there's voiceover work. In this one, there's a narrator. Um, the big short kind of pauses here and there and goes like, here, I'm going to explain this to you right now with some diagrams and stuff. Uh-huh. This movie's a little bit more like, like the, the 
narrator's kind of walking along with the camera going like, by the way, here's how this happened. Um, and so if the, some of the story stuff, you know, there's not exactly, other than to say like Dick Cheney's life, there's not exactly a completely cohesive thought or, or plot, but you do see a lot of how Lynn Cheney, his wife, actually kind of directed and pushed Dick Cheney to be what he became. Uh-huh. Um, and it's interesting to see how he kind of becomes, he, he kind of starts out as a lackey to Rumsfeld once he gets into politics. Um, and then by the end of the movie, it's like, you know, he's got the power above Rumsfeld. Um, and I, there's, there are some things in the movie where as much as it's explaining some things maybe more than it needs to, there are moments where it kind of yada yadas over stuff. And you're like, well, wait a minute. How did we get from him being at this rung of the ladder to this rung of the ladder? Overall, you get the story, but there are some spots where it's like, oh, I would have been interested to find out what was between plot point C and D. Um, and there are some jokes that are pretty funny. There's a pretty... I, I, I kind of think the best way to explain this without spoiling anything is a pretty hilarious moment where you get a little bit of alternate history and it's it's practically laugh out loud funny um but the pace of the movie overall is pretty slow um so if i had to give it like a letter grade i'd say it's like a b minus okay and i'll i'll leave it at that no actually you know what no i won't um i will say about christian bale i know a lot of people make a big deal out of him losing and gaining weight and i'm sure that's done fucking craziness to his body um but as far as him becoming Dick Cheney, it takes a little while. Like for, for most of the movie, or like the first half of the movie, I was like, man, I feel like I am watching Christian Bale try to be a fat guy. Um, but then by the end of the movie, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that was Christian Bale in there. So I, I you know, credit to him. Amy Adams, I think, is pretty good in it. But I feel like if anyone gets nominated for anything in this movie, it might be a bit of like just you know just liking to see people not look how they normally do you know what i mean yeah i mean yeah when people get a lot of weight or you take charlie's theron and make her look ugly although she was really good at monster um there there might be a bit of that i don't think there are any performances in this movie that are actually super stellar oh okay because i've heard that the the movie is is lacking but the performances are the draw they're good I, I think I'd leave it at that. They're good. I expect them to be drummed up a bit better than they are just because everyone looks so different, but uh -huh. they're good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I would say, say watch uh, watch the big short first. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. All right, great. Well, that brings us to the hottest new segment on the show, the great movie ranking list. Uh, Matt. Yeah. Where will you put what was the first movie you talked about? Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> uh I am going to put Fellowship of the Ring below Raiders of the Lost Ark and above Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So wow. Fellowship of the Ring goes in my number 3 slot. Number 3 spot. L O T R No, don't autocorrect it to lots. <laughs> 
Lots of rings. Fellowship of the Ring. And this is week 99. Oh, that, that brings to quite uh brings to mind. Next week is our big one hundredth episode. Although technically last week was our one hundredth episode. Next week is week one hundred. <laughs> I know it's confusing. Wait, did did last week's episode go up? Nope, it goes up later today. <laughs> Wait, so are these both going up on the same day? Nope, this one goes out next week. <laughs> what? Yeah, we're all screwed up. <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we're a week ahead of the world. Um. Now, where would you put Vice? Um, Vice is going to go, I think it's going to be my number nine slot. It's going to go between Life After Beth and Grabbers. The new number nine. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably a better movie than some of the ones above it. In terms of enjoyment, Mm -hmm. I got to say, it's got to go a little lower. All right. Vice in the number nine spot, week 99. All right. Great. Uh, Then I'll open up my list. And I talked about... Prince of Thieves, which, uh, oh God, is it better or worse than Aquaman? Uh, I got to say, they were both boring. I got to say, it's worse than Aquaman. Really? Yeah. Just the acting alone. Uh, I'm putting, I'm putting Prince of Thieves in the 20 spot between Aquaman and, uh, Mrs. Claus. Wow. Robin Hood, Prince of thieves that's how you spell thieves week 99 all right and then the other movie i watched was outlaw king and i'm gonna put that um i'm gonna put that above well let's see i'm gonna put that above teen titans go to the movies and between it and pop star in the new number 11th spot Out Law King Week 99. And if you're interested in seeing our movie list, uh, you can check it out on Instagram. I take like a screenshot of this spreadsheet and I put it up there. Although I don't know what we're going to do once it gets too long to fit on one screen. So we'll figure that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, Matt, the show is super long today because of all our technical issues. I don't know how long the final product will be. Uh, anything to plug? No. Uh, I also have nothing to plug. Um, so if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. See ya.